0: Welcome to ICU, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to ICU, episode 14, At War with Our Bodies with Gayna Lynn Condi. Hey, everybody. Oh, it's the day after Halloween. I'm kind of having a Halloween hangover. There's laundry everywhere, and I've, like, eaten my weight in chocolate. Oh, but it's tasted so good. I love Halloween. It's the best. And now I switched all my decorations to Thanksgiving, and it just, it makes my heart happy. The review I'm going to share today was posted on Apple Podcasts. It's titled Love the Stories from Grandma Can Think. Doesn't she sound cool? I love the real life stories about difficult topics. I started listening yesterday and have already listened to eight episodes. I look forward to finishing all of them and getting a new one each week. Thank you. Awesome. I'm so happy to hear someone is binge listening to my podcast. That's great. I binge listen to other people's podcasts too. So it feels good to hear that someone's doing that with mine. I love it. I hope you keep coming back. Okay. So today we're talking about some pretty intense things and there's people out there that don't like to talk about it. Two things that aren't talked about enough, at least not in healthy ways. The first is suicide and the second is body image. I'm talking about this like as in most women I know have a big problem with this and I can tell just by how they talk because guess what? It's me included. If you think you're exempt, congratulations. Go ahead and listen to this because I guarantee your mom or your sister or your neighbor needs to hear it. Now Gayna Lynn, how do I introduce this woman? She is so real. Her soul is open. You can see it in her face and in her eyes when she talks to you. I talked to her for the first time on the phone as she was headed to my house to record. And she ended the conversation with, Kay, love you. Bye. And I was like, Kay, no, Connie Condi just told me she loves me. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy right now. I was geeking out. But guess what? She meant it. She is full of love for the people around her. Before we start, please forgive me for two things. Because I was listening back to this interview and editing it. I realized some annoying things about it. first, I live right by Hill Air Force Base, if you haven't noticed yet, so jets are always flying by and they always seem to be flying by when I'm trying to record. Let me tell you, it's great having a two-year-old that's terrified of loud noises. It's so great living by an Air Force Base. It's so nuts. (laughs) Second, in the podcast, I mention Robin Williams, but I say Robert Williams, so don't freak out. I know his name is Robin. I was just talking a little too fast, probably. Robin Williams, I know it. All right, let's do this. I am so excited to have Gainolyn Condi here today. Hi, Gainolyn. Hi. You have published
1: many books. Yeah, the seventh one is in Final Edits. Is the seventh fun? in four or five years, I think. It's the third in the With God for my readers that have already read The Two With Gods. So there's a third one coming. I have a talk on CD and a little DVD I did with Hank Smith. I do a lot of speaking. I'm at least over 680 events in the last four and a half years. Wow. Five years, yeah. Writing is a very solitary experience. It's very private and personal. And speaking is very connective. I'm very open and willing to share my soul. But then, like, I'll have extended family come stay and I'm very solitary and quiet at home. And I need my down alone time. And so, I think this, for careers, it's probably perfect just for me. And I'm a mom of two. I have a missionary out. He'll be home in December and he's in Zimbabwe and it's been an amazing thing to be a missionary family. And Africa in general is amazing. And, um, and then I have a daughter that is phenomenal and she's a freshman in high school this year. And I want to be her when I grow up because she's steady and kind and knows who she is. And I tell her all the time, she's like the cake, that I just need to not jostle it and pull it out of the oven too soon. That's my job. Like, she just came to earth fabulous, and I'm just going to make sure she gets to be who she's supposed to be. Right. And I've been married 27 years to my cute hubby, who is an accountant, and probably he would say the opposite of who I am. And so it's a very, he's the roots. Shut up. My husband's an accountant. What? People didn't see the beginning recordings of all of our similarities. (laughs) My gosh, (laughs) It's it's crazy. It is as if we were always supposed to be friends. I love it when that happens. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. And I have the weirdest name on the planet. That's, you have a very easy, normal name. Don't tell your kids what you were going to name
0: them. Julie Lee. Like it's it's a little annoying, but but you should, you
1: could be a country singer or a podcaster, or a whatever. That name is phenomenal. Thank you. Gaina Lynn, It's the scary. I go do TV and radio. And if I haven't done that show before, they're over in the corner like whispering. And I'm like, it's fine. You can say it wrong. It's not going to hurt my feelings. Gaina Yeah. You Got say on. it great. Thank you. Two L's in Two the middle.
0: <laughs> middle. Gaina Yeah. Yes. Julie Lee. Yes. So you you get me on that. Yep. How I became introduced to you and kind of what you do is I was listening to the podcast Listen, Learn, and Love by Richard Osler, which is very special.
1: Right? Yes. Yes. The ambassador of grace is Brad Wilcox, and I would say the ambassador of love is Richard Osler. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I loved a lot of the things you said, but the way you talked about suicide, it was the first time I'd heard someone talk about it in a way that spoke to how my soul feels about suicide. Let me give just a tiny background on that. As someone that has had suicidal thoughts in the past, it has been very hard for me to cope with the idea that suicide is wrong and that it is a mistake, but at the same time have compassion for people who make that choice. Mm-hmm. Those two have been a big struggle for me, especially when I, have, when I have had really bad bouts of depression, which I've talked about before, and you can go back to episode one and hear my story. I would hear or see people that made this choice and people were so compassionate and loving about it. But at the same time, like I remember when Robert Williams, when he took his own life and there was that meme going around that said, "Genie, you're free. While I felt all this compassion, something about that was really hard for me and very triggering for me mm-hmm. because I felt like, but I need to know that that's wrong. Mm-hmm. I need to know in my moral code that taking your own life is a wrong thing. I
1: love that you're saying that. Oh my I goodness, I cry
0: it. thinking about because I know where they're at and I know they are trying so hard. Mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I need to know that that's not a good choice and that's not a place that I go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so when you talked about suicide and the message of stay in your body, it spoke to me in the so way that I think about suicide. And it's been it's been years since I was little and I became, for different reasons with my PTSD, I became fascinated with the idea of suicide, mm-hmm. kind of obsessive about it, I think. Anyways, it's just been a lifelong journey for me to understand how do I think about suicide? Yeah. What do I think about suicide? And it's something that I wanted to talk about so much. But, but people, it's a weird it's topic. It's hard for them mm-hmm. to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so it's a big deal for yeah. me to even say, hey, I've totally had suicidal thoughts. Like yep. I probably had one this week Yeah. Even. Yep but it's all good. It's all good. So will you start, will you tell me about your sweet sister?
1: Yes. So I'm the oldest and for oldest out there, I think it's crucial to understand that there was a part of me that thought my job was to save my mom. She was a single mom and my sister, my sister was 40 when she took her life. So I knew everything about her life. Like I was more, my mom even said the day after we found her, my mom happened to be at my home when my brother found her back in California at my mom's home. And so they're, they don't live by me, but she she happened to be there and she had never seen me lose my mind and she realized in that moment this sister of mine was more my baby than because I had watched her go through being sexually abused dealing with um learning disabilities and mental health issues and struggles and I'd watch her fight through those things and she would have good chunks of time and then I would call it dip into the pit and then I would help her out. We talk about the hole on yeah, the podcast. The whole. The yeah, the hole. The yes. hole, yes. And I talk about the hole too. Like because of my family dynamics and the people that deal with it besides my sister, I will say to my husband, my leg's in. I'm up to my knee, but mm-hmm. I'm not, a whole leg's not in. Yeah. yeah. And then I have friends that if I'm waist in, then that's it. You know, then we do all hands on deck, right? Because yeah. I don't yeah, trust that. myself getting all the way into the pit. It's not you a place know, it's to be. Because I know what it will take to get out of it. So mm-hmm. in that sense, um, I had watched her, her rally and her bishop said at her funeral, she would rally and then he would watch her sink. And... He almost took it even just as hard, if not harder. He visits her grave monthly, and he says she taught him about being a bishop. He was an accountant, and he would meet with her every week for three years. Everyone falls into three categories. They either struggle themselves, they love someone that struggles, or they've already lost someone. And many people on the planet now fall into all three. I do a lot of events, and I always tell organizers, don't say I'm coming to talk about suicide, but I will always talk about suicide. I'll always talk about God, and I'll always talk about suicide because it literally affects everyone on the planet. Everybody.
0: Everyone on the planet. And if you don't want to talk about it, it's coming. It's coming.
1: And and I get calls every week from people that have attempted or have lost someone already, and that age is so young now. I mean, we're talking kindergartners and first graders that are having suicidal ideation Mm -hmm. thoughts.
0: Well, yeah, I spoke at an elementary school last year, and they had a third grader in primary children for weeks.
1: Yeah, and I think your original question about staying in the body is is that I was invited to uh, an area in Utah where there's been a ton of suicides in a particular high school that has highest demographic, highest grades, highest everything. And the state president said, can you come to speak to all of our youth, but please don't keep talking about how the atonement covers suicide. They've heard it now at all of these funerals. And so now all of these teenagers are going, oh, okay, well, I'm yeah. struggling. The atonement covers, I'm out of here. Because the reality is we all feel pain. And the reality is it's not a selfish choice, but in so many situations, readers will come back after reading my first book or anything that I've done and they'll say, I attempted or I have thoughts of this, but I had never thought of what was left behind. So when they read my story of my sister and the grief behind, they're like, oh my gosh, I would have done that, right? And so I often say, in a person's mind, they're thinking they're doing us a favor by taking their life, but that's where I went to the Lord and said, what do I tell these high schoolers? They've heard the atonement, and it is real. And I know where my sister is, and I know the atonement is helping, but she knows the minute she passed, she knows this, because I had a sacred experience where I was told, she knew she had made a mistake. Because once you make the choice of suicide, it's not every choice someone makes, but it changes your options. You don't get to make any other choices. And so in that moment of pleading with the Lord to say, what do I say to these kids that have been going to too many suicide funerals? That's when I was given stay in your body. I break it down from a religious standpoint that Satan doesn't have a body. He doesn't have faith, family, or bodies. And those are the three things he spends most of his time attacking. What I know for what my faith is, lens is, is that my sister is continuing to progress. But if you have passed because of suicide, you are then in my belief system responsible in some way to minister to those that were left behind. I have a really great friend that is a therapist and she deals with clients every day that want to take their life. They're tired. And I want your listeners to know, I validate that exhaustion. I get calls and messages all week long and I have for years, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. My sister got tired. A 40-year-old woman that's been in therapy, used every tool she could think of, takes her life, is a different story than a 14-year-old that takes their life. It's a different dynamic. So complex issues like suicide, I don't want to minimize them. But I am saying to you that in those moments of being tired, I will say to you, she would say to you, stay in your body. She would say, Stay. And I would say to you also that if you are someone struggling listening to this podcast, I want you to know that you're learning things, you're growing muscles. You're a perfect example of this, Julie. Where I invite people that are struggling that reach out to journal because you're going to move through this. The miracles coming, you can't even imagine them right now because. The thickness of chronic depression and anxiety—it blocks out spirit, and it blocks out love, and it blocks out connection. So you think this is always how it's going to be? And for and how it always was, and how it That's always was. The craziest was. thing is when yes. depression
0: hits, you're like, "Oh no, I'm almost 100% positive. Yes. I've never been happy."
1: Yes, exactly.
0: That's so, the trick.
1: So you journal because you are learning some skills some coping skills, some life skills, some um, resilience, right? And you will then be the person that hands that knowledge. You're doing it with a podcast. But I say you may be the neighbor of someone that's like, heck yeah, I was there for 20 years. What did you do to get through it? Oh, this is what I've learned. The other thing I say passionately is there's not one of us on the planet that's extra. There's not one person that God was like, you know, like I I made all my kids and I have a few leftover eyes and arms. Yeah, it's I'm going to throw this kid in there. But if we lose that one, it doesn't matter. So the lie we believe when we struggle is that the world would be better without us. That is a lie. I am not better without Meg. I just was telling you that I talk about this all the time to the point where some people may think, oh my gosh, she's not even that emotional about it. It's because I'm clear what the message is. And usually when I'm speaking, she's right there. So I can feel her, right? But the other day I'm shopping for a stinking bra and I lost it in the store. I just missed her. It was a very simple moment and I wanted to share it. I wanted to just call her. And for those that are of Latter-day Saint affiliation this last week, and we had general conference, they announced a temple in Yuba City, California. That's my home. And I could not stop crying for three hours. It was a mixture of this amazing miracle that these people in this little town just outside of Sacramento where there's already a temple, they're getting a temple. And then I had these waves of like, Meg's not going to be here. Meg's not going to be here for that. So I want, um, I want to share that I've gotten to know someone that read my story of Meg and had attempted, and she's a mother She wrote me recently, and I shared this on on my Women of Worth show. She was helping someone, and she was writing to them about how her life is today versus the years of attempting and struggle. And she wrote in there, no one could have convinced me that these miracles that I'm living now were coming. There's no way to see it when you're in the pit, but they are there. So when you, as Elder Holland will say, don't vote against the preciousness of life. I know for some of you that are hearing this, it may be your struggle while you're on earth, but I promise you it won't be your eternal struggle forever and ever and ever. It is like you and I have shared some health stuff I deal with, some chronic illness stuff. I know that depression, anxiety can be one of the great teachers of our existence. But if we're not super clear that when you commit suicide what is left behind opens this almost vortex door for those that love you. And there's a what if. And I'm not trying to guilt anyone into this. No. But, but I think when, when you get into that pit, your perspective becomes very isolated. Very isolated. Absolutely. And you don't even see other than you're a burden, you're yeah. broken. You feel like it will help other Everybody. people. Everybody. And my sister's letter was very clear about that. And I rarely talk about how she did, what she did, she prepared, she did this, right? And our family had taken this journey with her. So we had seen her get help, get better, get worse, right? Cycle. I applaud you for saying, can we talk about the reality? I have therapists reach out to me all the time saying, the next time you have a platform, can you just tell everyone I won't be around to help them if they take their life, which I think is a brilliant perspective.
0: I had a psychiatrist say that to me. I started seeing him just for maintenance. And I remember him saying to me, I just tell every single client, I am here to help you no matter what but I cannot help a dead body. So you get to me before we ever get there because I cannot work on a dead body. I loved his openness like that because like you said, I mean, I came to him and I'm doing really well. I'm very well maintained. I have a pretty good perspective. You've got your,
1: you've got your tools
0: and I've been to, I, but I've been there and just to have him say, I don't care. I'm going to say this to every person that walks through my door was so incredible to me.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a really important principle to talk about. Is that when we choose back in to trying the next step, the plan. You know, my friends that are therapists say people chronically come in and say, "I've tried everything, nothing's working," and they will say, "Well, you haven't tried me, so we're going to just try this today." This is another important point for the listeners that have already lost someone. You're in a what if crazy grief hell. That's what I call it, because you're replaying. You don't do that with cancer. You don't do it with heart attacks. You don't do it with a car accident, even maybe. But with suicide, what's left behind is this like, well, why didn't I call that day? Why didn't I, what should we have done? That therapist, this and this and this. There's only one savior, one savior. And the rest of us can be patient with each other and generous with our our efforts of love. Meg's Bishop said this to me more than once. Why didn't God say go over that day, right? When there had been a hundred other times. I don't say this to every audience <laughs> because I, I know this can trigger people. God knew it, it, she was tired and done, you know, and there wasn't going to be someone in her being this time. I don't understand all that. I know she's continuing to learn and progress, but I promise you that body that you have that has these wrinkles or this chronic illness or this condition and you're tired because you're depressed or anxious about pretty much leaving your house every day, that body, even in its complete broken, distorted form, is 50 billion times more powerful than not having that body to allow you to learn and grow and progress. The way I like to think of it, if someone doesn't understand spirit body connection, right? Is that when you have your spirit, it's like right now I've had stuff done on my mouth and it's numb right now, right? So I can kind of feel my tongue, But I feel like I'm drooling. (laughs)
0: I'll tell you if you're drooling.
1: Okay. And and I can't touch. And I can feel that, like, everything feels kind of swollen and and numb. It's not doing what I want it to do. And I always think of that's like your spirit without the body. It's like you could get there, and I believe she's going to continue to learn and progress because I believe in that. Or get in a car and get there. <laughs> you know, like I'll take the car any day. Don't make me walk for three years to get there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing. My mouth is kind of doing what I want it to do, but I'm not really forming and controlling it the way I normally feel when I speak. And so I think as much as we can talk about our bodies as a gift, even in the awareness that they struggle that we're dealing with depression and it's complex that we're dealing with chronic Ill- illness and it's complex, you know, and that we get tired. We can be compassionate, but can we be bold and saying, we still are not going to be better without you and stay in your body because your body is literally your gift, your vehicle. Thank you.
0: So I want to kind of switch gears. The theme of this podcast is at war with our bodies. Yeah. I did a high five
1: live video. Yes. Which Our is mutual. great.
0: Thank you. Did you see it?
1: I did. Oh,
0: that's flattering.
1: Thank oh, I you. love you. But
0: my good friend, Michael White, he asked me to do the a The best,
1: fight. Michael, my adopted son. <laughs> yes, your adopted son, my little brother.
0: Somehow we're all yes. related. We I really are. We close. are going to find out. We really were. Yeah, we, we really were. were. Maybe the family search app. There's yes, no exactly. That. It does cool things. Yeah,
1: you're like within two miles of ten cousins. <laughs> yeah.
0: Me and my husband are nine cousins once <laughs> Oh, my God. Figure out or something. We're but like, your kids Ugh. don't
1: have six thumbs. It's fine. Yeah. You yeah.
0: have the same great aunt, but different yeah. blood. Just yeah. don't even Okay. So I did this high five live video and I watched the last video on there and you talked and you were literally raw, ugly, crying, ugly. but take out the ugly. I'm just uh, saying no. you were crying hard though, about how angry you are at the war with our bodies. Yes. And I, oh my goodness, me and my sister, we were running last week and she is a survivor of breast cancer and she doesn't have breasts. I guess I'm going to ask her before I publish this part, but I'm almost hundred percent sure she's fine with it. But we were talking about how we work out to these videos and these women's mm-hmm. chests are falling everywhere. And she's like, I'm just trying to be okay with not having a chest right yeah, now. Yeah. And I said to her, I'm like, I feel the same way. I can't relate to that exactly. Yeah. I need a space in my life where my body is not
1: sexualized. And, and it's so hard to find. It is. And I've been messaging more about this. My grandmother that had breast cancer. Oh my gosh. She's my greatest teacher. I, I put this in the book, I think. I don't know. (laughs) She was very well endowed naturally. And she had breast cancer seven times, eventually lost one, which was huge to lose. And she never went through reconstruction. Right. She's a clothes horse. She was amazing with jewelry. She loved to get her hair done and her nails done and her makeup done. I use this as an example. She would get her nails done and her hair done, but she would lift her eyelid up because it was so droop because she was old to put on her makeup and she didn't reconstruct breast. Okay. The reason I say that is because I am fine and I choose at 47 to do maintenance on this body temple. The temples closed down, they redo carpet, whatever. The issue I'm struggling with is the dialogue that somehow food and bodies are like weapons of war. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to raise a daughter that has this beautiful, natural curly hair. I spent the whole 80s, that whole decade, perming my hair because I wanted curly hair. My hair is stiff, straight, and I'm not saying that like she even said to me last night, "Mom, you should perm your hair again." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I don't even want to go through that again." Yeah. I've come to peace, you know? Like <laughs> this is what Straight I've got. Yeah. yeah. And so I think the thing that we need to make open in this dialogue is is there a place for us to run with our sister do an exercise video, eat food that we know we've talked about. Chronic illness has helped my body takes care of your body, takes care of my body. Yes. And, and is there, is there anything wrong with saying I want to polish this and no, but like anything, it's about temperance. And if that is so much the discussion and the focus and your thoughts, which only, you know, that You know, I think sometimes we think we know who's really obsessed with criticizing their bodies based on what we see. Oh, we have no clue. We have no clue that the majority of women, number one shame trigger is body stuff. Oh, 100%. And comparison. And in 30 seconds, we meet a woman, we decide if we're going to be her friend based on what we see that makes me want to vomit. Mm-hmm. I got angry that day because I had heard again one more time about a sweet little eight-year-old girl that I adore, that I think is creative and talented and beautiful, and she has the cutest dresses, and she's teased because she's called fat. What the heck is wrong with us? Then I work. At, look at the star of This Is Us, Christy Metz, who's this beautiful, full-figured voluptuous woman, right? Mm -hmm. And what an example we have now. Social media can be a huge trap, but it also has, I think, opened the doors to the world to say, oh my gosh, in Zimbabwe, this is what beauty looks like. And in Utah, this is what the problem is when we start trying to say, okay, well then that is what I should look like because my neighbor looks like that. Secondary to that, I hate What I'm hearing, I'm hearing beautiful women talk about food and bodies as if they're constantly at war in front of my daughter who thinks those exact women are amazing, not just physically, but amazing. And so then what does she do? So this sweet grandma of mine gave me this great gift. She loved to dress up. She loved pretty shoes. She loved to get her hair done. Because it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, but she let herself look like a grandma. So I held her in bed when she died. And I stared at her hands. Her age spots in her skin was so thin. And I just kept trying to memorize. I wanted to memorize. If I had a cell phone back then, I would have taken a picture of just her hands because they showed her beautiful, well-done nails and her age spots. And so... To me, that's just a personal journey between you and God. But can we just say that it's starting to destroy our families? I, I get tired of when we sit down at dinner time and friends are over and the conversation turns into, what are you eating? Why are you eating that? This, oh, I can't do this. I'm like sick of it. And I say it in my book, if you came into my house and start to talk that way, I invite you to leave because it would be as if you're punching holes in my wall. And I'm not okay with that. No. And the reason I say that I've been challenged on that by well-educated women that say, Well, what about health? And I want to talk to my children about this. And and I say, Are you serious? Like, I have five minutes at the most a day of some really good connection to conversation. I'm gonna use it up on the food and my weight. No, I wanna talk about something that feels Powerfully protective like my relationship with God or what did you do today? What did you feel today? How are you? What are you proud of today? We don't have enough time. We're no. wasting... Do you know what I'm saying by that? I'm not saying that you can't... One hundred percent. You can call a nutritionist and you can talk to your doctor and you can but, talk to your friend. But, like,
0: put it in its place of yeah. what it is. But it how much... It's it, a thing. Yeah. But
1: it's not... It's not the whole universe. No. And it has become that. Because every Instagram specialist on body, whatever, fitness guru has a million followers. Oh, yeah. And you and I are on a social media fast right now. And it's the same thing. Is social media bad? No, but man, in three days. Holy crap, I feel good. I feel and amazing. Amazing. And guess what? I had, I posted something because I had been invited for a job thing to do it. I was on there two minutes to just share that, get off. And I happened to see something and I'm like, oh my gosh, see how easily what is a good thing becomes the only thing we're seeing and doing and the time waste. And I just would like to suggest the pendulum has swung Way too far. It's way, too, way too far over that if it was based on a new workout or a new diet or a new whatever and then somehow we would be at peace with our bodies and whatever, then we should all be the most healthy, well adjusted, comfortable and yeah, obviously not. We're not. not, not. No. We're not. So the pendulum is so far over there and I don't have all the answers. I've been asked for years now, can you do a talk on CD about this? Can you write a book about this? And I'm like, I'm still unpacking it.
0: Yeah, every no, day. I this morning weighed myself and I was Three pounds up from last time I'd weighed myself, and I was like, and I was like, no, we don't do that. And I don't know what that means. I've had times where I've gotten rid of my scale completely. When I was pregnant, so, I would weighed myself backwards
1: at the doctor's. I don't know. And I, I, I just, haven't weighed myself in almost 10 years. Oh, well, we need to talk about that. And but, I and I've never said that publicly, my family knows it, and it's because I don't want that to be a trigger. I know that my clothes still can go on and I also know they go tight and loose mm-hmm. and I'm saying to you, I don't need to be in that black and white of thinking and I didn't trust what that would trigger. And so I decided that was energy that I wasn't willing to give up anymore. That was and my, you t- love it. You well, love it. I mean, there's times where I'm like, huh, I wonder, but I don't think about it yeah. ever at all. And my body's aged and my body shape changes and, right. And I want to continue to feel like I'm gracefully growing older, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I couldn't tell you what, I, I don't know what I weigh. So I, I guess, and I have a doctor that knows I won't go on the scale at the doctor's office. I mean, if I dramatically lost weight or increased weight, you would be able to see that. Then we would have a different conversation. But I think most of us, like you were saying, the on, the off, the on, the off, I only have so many brain cells a day to use. And, and that is my point on the conversation around your dinner table tonight or the conversation you're having when you're walking down the hall at church. How are you talking out loud? never mind the bigger question. How are we talking in our heads? Cause I would never talk to you the way I talk to myself. Like I would never walk in and I walk in and I see you and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this person of light that's made it through these amazing things. And look what a beautiful mom she is in her house is so creative and blah, blah, blah. And then I can have the same triggers and talk to myself like, why aren't you? And how come you haven't? Yep. And that is, is exhausting. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. I have a friend right now that deals with some health issues and we Marco Polo, if you know Marco Polo. Yes, I do. (laughs) And I'm friends with the Marco Polo people and I love them so much. And we Marco Polo. And anyways, I was Marco Poloing this friend and she had gone through some health stuff and lost a ton of weight. Now she's put weight on the other day, she Marco follows me. She goes, I'm working on my renaissance body. And I was like, that is so awesome, Jen. And she goes, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go to God. And when I finally meet him, he'll go, I don't know what you women were thinking. It was the renaissance women that had it all figured out. Right. right? And so, and the point is this, I grew up very thin naturally when Mm -hmm. I was a little girl and I didn't ever weigh myself and people would call me skinny. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, they're calling me ugly. Like every time I heard that. I would go, oh my gosh, they're calling me ugly the way they said it. Oh, you're so skinny. You're so skinny. Yes. And so I think no one has the corner on the market on this. Like, mom guilt is for working moms and stay-at-home moms. And body shaming is for thin, middle, everywhere in between, heavy. I'm into giving myself permission slips like Brene Brown talks about. The Brene Brown application for this is, can I give myself permission to let go of a conversation around it? I already know enough to know what feels healthy, fueling my body, and exercise. Anything beyond that takes me into a weird place. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go there. I I have too much on the planet I want to do if today's my last day. Well, there's
0: too much at stake.
1: There's too much at stake. And now I have a daughter that I'm, like, passionately about admiring who she is and how she's going through puberty in a way that's way more graceful than I ever did. Mm -hmm. And I want to protect that. I'm getting rid of my scale today girlfriend i've never said that you that is an exclusive on this podcast i've never said that in any special on the
0: icu podcast
1: like i don't know if that's gonna make anyone very excited but (laughs) that is a revelation there is a scale in our house my husband stands on it i do not and i haven't for 10 years i love you thank you for doing that and for telling me that and if you see me down on the street and go, it's obvious you don't step on a scale, I will go. But guess what I did with all those brain cells this whole time? I wasn't stepping on I a scale. I wrote seven bucks. Yes, exactly. Right. 680. Yeah. Like you've been around. Yeah. And I and I think it's true that we battle the stories in our head. We have trusted friends, great podcasts, good therapists. They help us challenge those stories. And I just decided I couldn't fight that fight. I didn't want to keep picking it up, setting it down, picking it up, setting
0: oh, it 100%. down. Oh, 100%. I just, do great haven't weighed myself oh, i'm just so curious so yeah. curious about and
1: what that. did that do for you
0: same place where i'm yeah. like it's love hate relationship yeah. workout I'm working on it. You, yes. you got to get curious about it. You got to yes. get curious about like why.
1: Yeah, and that's why the reason... did that make me feel that way? Yes. Do I and, want that to continue? And that's why I haven't written a book yet about it. I haven't even done a talk on a CD because I'm right there with you guys. I mean, I'm unpacking it every day, and sometimes I'm great. I'm just like, what the heck? I'm just happy to be alive. I mean, I've gone yeah. through no hair and chemotherapy, and I didn't think I'd have babies. I'm just grateful, right? Totally. Yeah. And then there's other times I'm like, I'm on TV a lot. I'm in. front of thousands of people a lot or okay do I look okay do I look as tired as I feel (laughs) or right or I don't even have to be on stage because when I'm on stage it's about them I'm not looking at myself I'm Mm -hmm. happy to be giving something it's when I'm scrolling and then all of a sudden I'm like wait I was feeling cute but why is my hair still so thin all the time? Well, I have lupus. This is probably as good as it's... This is the best it's been in 10 years. But then I have friends that are like, oh my gosh, my hair is so thick. I have to get it thinned. And I'm like, really? So what? where is that happy medium? I just don't want to keep getting trapped. But I have to challenge it just to... On on various things, not just body stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So podcasts like this are perfect because I believe in when we tell our stories to each other, someone hears it. They go, "Oh my gosh, that's the story I'm telling myself." And maybe they're at least just going to get a little curious. One, just think about just it. curious. For a second. Don't you love that word? Curious. Curious. Get curious about what and you're leaning thinking. in. That's yes. my other. I'm going to just, someone was triggered about the new two-hour church because they feel now a responsibility to, for Latter-day Saints, we're going to go from three hours of church to two hours of church, and they're feeling the stress and pressure to be now a more like gospel-centered, focused, teaching mom. And now she is one less hour of her kids in primary, right? And so um, I thought I'm. I could go there. I can be all or nothing, which is Satan. Satan was all or yes, nothing, right? episode five, black and white. Black back and white. To it. Yes, black and white, right? And I found myself going there like, oh, we need to come up with a big program. And oh, totally. We've got one child home and I want to save her. And And then I thought, nope, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to lean into a little bit more protected time of family gospel discussion. That's what I'm doing. I don't know what that looks like. And some Sundays that might be like, we're watching Relative Race. Shout out to Relative Race. It's awesome. <laughs> it has no triggers for me. I just cry through the whole thing. I love it so much, right? Or whatever. We're going to play Uno for five times. And that's not teaching about Abenadi, right? Or, you know, Moses. It's not memorizing a scripture. It's together time. So I think leaning in and curious are really much more healthy terms. I don't generally naturally go there. I like to check things off my list and be super clear and have boundaries and certainty. Yeah. Which is why I don't go on the skip.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I just want to throw out there. Let's find ways to not be at war with our body. Yes. Let's love our body. Let's stay in our body and let's not be at war with it. Just to finish up, if there's someone listening that's struggling, (sighs) struggling to stay in their body or feeling at war with their body, what would you say to them, Gaynalyn?
1: I would say I'm coming to you right now through this microphone with empathy, not sympathy. I am sitting right in the pain with you. I have felt it and I am going to validate this is part of having a mortal experience. But your spirit is bigger than your body. So in these moments of I'm so tired of the anxiety, I'm going to ask you to just do one thing to do for one hour. Listen to some music. Call a friend. Watch a Will Ferrell movie where he chews gum and he's a big elf. Like (laughs) You can't watch Elf and not laugh, right? (laughs) You do one more thing to stay for one more hour. And I'm going to ask you to keep doing that. And I know you're saying, but you don't understand how tired I am. You don't understand my family and friends have all pulled away. They they may have. I get that. And and you're yelling at this podcast saying, you say I'm not alone, but I feel alone. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. You are never alone. There is a very sacred thing that happened that allowed me to know that my sister was most shocked about that. Not by the hundreds that came to her funeral, because there were. It was all the people waiting for her when she crossed. And in that moment, she was like, what? That whole time? I wasn't alone that whole time. And I get that depression and anxiety becomes a wall. So everyone's shooting love and the spirit. And you're you like, feel bounce, 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 bounce. You can't feel it. Replace depression and anxiety with body image stuff. And the war uh, in our heads about our bodies fitting some kind of mold. And I'm going to tell you, hold that baby that your neighbor has for five minutes and they're going to puke on you and you're going to think they're the most beautiful thing. They haven't gotten straight A's. They haven't gotten a raise. They didn't run a marathon. They didn't help you clean and do the dishes today. They are alive and breathing and you see their value. Hold a baby or sit with an old person. They will remind you why you are a soul and that you are not the sum of whatever people are seeing on the outside. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for you. having me. I love you more. <laughs> I love you most. <laughs> okay,
0: Okay, for reals, I legit have not weighed myself since this. And I'm going to talk more about that next time. Because guess what? Tonight, as I was running, my phone wasn't charged enough for me to listen to anything. And I was like, dang it. And so I just said, God, talk to me. And then I kind of forgot about that. But just listened to the, the noise around me of the cars and the crunching leaves. And I want to tell you what flooded my mind what flooded my mind was how incredible my human body is and it made me real mad. I feel mad about this, guys. I feel angry about the things that we say about our bodies and the things that I say about my body and the things I think about my body. If you've seen the movie Inside Out, just picture the little red guy. That's kind of how I was on my run. I was like, I'm so mad about this. We got to change. We got to do stuff. So if you like the little red guy on Inside Out, then I think you're going to like next week. And girl, boy, whoever you are, maybe check your scale. I'm just saying. Thank you and I love you. My name is Julie Lee and I see you.